It is another episode of the T-Druff the Foam Buff podcast. Welcome to episode 19, I believe. And I don't want to overstate things, but this could be the biggest episode I've ever done. And that's nothing that I've done to make it that way. It's more so that this could be the biggest news week we, I think, have ever had um, to cover in the last in the last six, seven years that I've really been closely paying attention to movie and TV news. This is one of the biggest weeks I have ever come across by far. Um, it's a lot, a lot of stuff to get to. We have, uh, you know, stuff that maybe not everybody cares about, like Arrow and Stephen Amell news. Um, we have some stuff going on with The Walking Dead and their cast, um, you know, season 10 news, uh, James Bond news, Matrix 4 news, some trailers that dropped, a movie that I saw was amazing that I need to talk about. Um, some Joker news, and oh yeah, that uh, you know that one big story involving Spider Man and Sony and Disney. So that's uh, you know that's gonna take a majority of the time. But um, let's go ahead and kick it off actually with Arrow, um, and Stephen Amell specifically, because I did actually watch a couple of interviews that he's done. Um, one being, I can't remember, was it Boston Comic Con, Boston Fan Fest, something like that. He was at over the weekend. I watched like a 30-minute panel of him there, um, Entertainment Tonight, also did about a 10-minute interview with him a couple weeks back that I just caught up with, um, some some solid news that he dropped there, nothing that's making headlines, nothing that's going to really, you know, shake the, the gravity, the center of gravity of the show this year, um, but some stuff worth mentioning, some stuff worth, you know, talking about and discussing, especially for a, a big Arrow fan like I am, or at least as I used to be. Um, one of the first things that he mentioned in, in one of the interviews, and this is just one of those small tidbits of information that doesn't ultimately matter, but will please many fans, is that there is a Salmon Ladder scene in the first episode, I believe he mentioned, and of course, Stephen Mello shirtless. Um, so we had to do that, had to have a little throwback. He also mentioned that you know, the first episode of season eight is going to ver- feel very much like the pilot. Um, so I guess you can almost say in a way... Same thing with season five, if you remember, kind of felt like the pilot, a um, little throwback-ish. Um, so, again, that's what he's mentioned about the season eight premiere, so we'll see uh, if he's right on that. He, he, he was talking about how every episode kind of has a, a different theme and every episode feels special, which is something that if you pay attention to Stephen Mel on Twitter or on any sort of social media, he only really praises the episodes and you know, the stuff he works on when he actually likes it. Like, if you remember back to season six and to season seven, really, he didn't he didn't have a lot of tweets that praised the show. I mean, he praised his actor, his fellow actors. I remember him praising Emily Bett when she was on her way out of the show. Um, I remember him praising stuff with David Ramsey, a couple other surprises. I remember him teasing, but... Ultimately, he wasn't saying like, hey, guys, you have to tune into tonight because of this, this, and this, like he used to do for almost every episode of season one, every episode of season two. Like it was, I mean, he would consistently tease the show from the get-go, but, you know, he hadn't been doing that the last couple of years. But I feel like these, some of the stuff he said, it gets me a little more excited for this season of Arrow that maybe it's a return to form. Um, and if you remember, I mean, the first three, four seasons, even five, I guess you could you could say, they all had 
uh, you know, each episode had a theme. You know, ultimately some of the some of the themes, you know, w- was a detriment to the show, especially when they tried to, you know, weave it too much into the flashbacks when they would have, you know, the same exact storyline or you know a mirrored arc for Oliver both in the flashbacks and in the present day storyline. It was too on the nose at times, but much better storytelling than something like on and Flash or Legends or Supergirl. Still top quality for, you know, network television. Um, you know, they were also asking him in this interview about like, you know, what can you tease about the ending uh, to the show? Like, uh, what was your first reaction? What are you expecting the fans to feel like? And he says that he, you know, Amel is is thinking that it is a happy ending to him at least. Um, you know, it has a resolution. Like I, I've heard Amel on many occasions talk about how much he likes finales to shows and how much really shows de- are dependent on finales, and that's kind of typically the legacy that a show leaves is how well the, the finale does with its audiences. Um, you know, of course, two of the biggest shows of all time, Seinfeld and Game of Thrones, have two of the most controversial slash divisive finales. Um, I never watched Seinfeld, but I do freaking love Game of Thrones a lot, and I love that finale. I love the entire last season, so um, I, I see where he's coming from there. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't. I think I'm going to get in this a little bit later, but I don't. I just don't. I still don't understand how they're going to end this season because. Uh, you know, you have the crossover as technically episode eight, which is going to, of sorts, act as a mid-season finale for the show. Um, you know, typically the show does do nine episodes and then has a back half. Well, the back half in Arrow season eight is only going to be two episodes because it's only going to be a total of ten episodes. So I, I just don't. I'm not still not certain on how exactly that's going to work. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's confusing. I know he mentioned in the Boston Comic-Con panel that the last two episodes were going to feel uh, you know, something like a, a an epilogue to the show instead of, you know, like a climactic. Like he, he mentioned that it might feel a little anticlimactic to fans because it feels more like an epilogue instead of, you know, this very big epic fight, you know, to the death like Avengers Endgame style ending. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... I could see what he means by that, but I would almost prefer like an epilogue style ending. I think Arrow in its action has run its course. I think the best action the show's ever had when it's like a one-on-one combat, um, you know, season one, of course, it's the final fight between him and Malcolm. Season two, it's all the stuff he gets with Slade one-on-one. Um, season three, of course, one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen on television is him on top of the cliff with Ra's al Ghul. It legitimately is one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. One of the most stunning episodes I've ever seen on television, even though after thinking about it, you know that, you know, Oliver Queen's eventually going to come back, but just the way they ended that, um, you know, some would say that the show kind of goes downhill from there. And I think it certainly does, but I don't think that takes away from how good, you know, they ended it there in the midway point of season three. It is also worth mentioning, I think they just finished episode four, I believe is what he tweeted yesterday. Um, and, you know, he's, of course, tweeting like every episode is this big, you know, doozy of a week and, oh, it's going to be a big one. Katie Cassidy directs episode three of season 10, I believe. Um, she was, uh, or no, he was mentioning how Catherine McNamara was a, 
shadowing uh, James Bamford in one of the episodes this year, and that he actually may have a scene with Catherine McNamara, which logistically doesn't make a ton of sense, but, um, you know, not that this show has ever really, you know, done that well with logistics, but he'd like to have some consistency. Um, speaking of somebody directing an episode that, uh, you know, they're in, uh, did hear that Katie Lotz announced she's directing an episode of Legends this year. Uh, side news is that uh, Ray Palmer, um, played by Brandon Routh, is going to be on his way out this year. Same with Nora Dark, both their last season of Legends. So that'll be interesting. But um, a bigger bigger news point, and I didn't even really see articles about this. It was just hidden in one of his interviews that he did. Um, at Boston Comic Con was that Malcolm Merlin is back this year and uh, John Barrowman is coming back. Who knows how that exactly works? He died at the end of uh, season five. I think he came back at one point in season seven. I'm not even remembering when he was back, but he did come back. I just don't remember if it, I think it was in flashback form. Maybe it was a different earth or something, but we have not seen the current present day Malcolm Merlin since the end of season five. So I, you know, I, I don't really know how I want them to address it, or how I want him to come back. Uh, but I, that's nice. I think in the last season you'd like to see all these guys come back. You'd like to see, you know, uh, Manu Bennett come back as Slade Wilson. I don't see it happening, but you'd like to see something like that. Um, you know, he's also mentioning how Ollie's going to be a little more lighthearted this year without Felicity there. The, there's gonna the show's going to need a little bit more uh, of humor. Uh, the tonality might not be totally dark, especially the subject matter later on in the season when, you know, inevitably he might, he might bite it. You know, Flash is going to disappear. Oliver might die. You know, who knows how that works. Um, let's see here. He was also mentioning how he uses the season one bow. And I believe in one of the pictures he had released and kind of tried to blur it out. He, um, uh, he's wearing the season one suit as well. So that's exciting. Um, again, I don't really see the purpose of it. I don't, I don't know why they're bringing it back, but I think it's cool. Uh, anything that throws it back to the, the first couple seasons and, you know, they're just doing it just to do it. I know he also mentioned that he's going to be wearing the hood and mask this year because it just looks better. It looks better than having his hood down the whole time. I don't care if everybody knows who he is. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. Um, let's see here. When they asked Amel about the crossover and how he's gonna, uh, like how he would tease it, he said that there really are no rules in the crossover, and that I'm playing two characters. Whew, okay. So, what other character could he be playing? We know Brandon Routh is playing two characters, we know he's playing Superman and the Atom. Um, you know, I, I can't see exactly who Stephen Amell would be playing. I'm not sure, you know, what character would actually make sense for him to play. Um, but I think it's interesting. He also mentioned that, you know, he had when he was at that event, he had just seen oh, somebody in that suit. So there's another suit that he's wearing. And it's the character he's playing is another, you know, probably comic book character with a suit. Because uh, so he saw somebody wearing the suit. And he also mentioned that that other character he's playing has never been shown on screen before. 
So it's not like he's playing Batman. You know, we have a couple characters playing Superman. He's not playing Batman. So don't run, you know, with that piece of news, Internet. You know, he's... I, I don't... I don't know. I mean, would he be playing maybe a version of Prometheus? Maybe a version of Malcolm? Maybe a version of Deathstroke? I think it's, it's going to be a villain, right? I mean, do we have to assume he's playing a villain with this five-part crossover? It's got to it's gotta be a villain. That's my gut. I'm going with a villain. And I'm going to go Slade Wilson. I think that that's my gut feeling is that he's playing a version of Slade. And maybe they get Manu Bennett to come back to play a version of Oliver. All right, that might be a stretch. But speaking of Stephen Amell news, um, so Deadline, I believe, is the first to report earlier this week that Stephen Amell has signed on to Headline um, a stars show, its original series called Heels. Um, now, first, you know, you, you hear Heels and you're like, what are we talking here? High Heels? Like, what, what is this? What is this title? Um, no, but then you, you kind of realize, um, you know, what Stephen Amell's interests are and in, in, in his interests are clearly uh, wrestling. You know, he always talks about how much he loves wrestling and the show is going to, you know, kind of be about two brothers, um, in and out of the ring, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to read that deadline piece in a second, but he, you know, this is his first, you know, starring role essentially since Arrow, you know, debuted in 2012. I mean, even when you talk about the like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's not. I mean, it's more of a side character. He's he's probably one of the main lead f- human characters, but the turtles are the, you know, the, they're the stars of of, of that movie. Um, so. So that's that. He mentioned also, you know, this is, I think this was during that Comic-Con interview, that he mentioned that he did recently pass on a Netflix movie that was filming this summer that would, um, you know, have him be some sort of military personnel, soldier um, type. So I found that interesting as well. I don't I don't know what that could be. I don't, I don't really know what Netflix is developing right now. That's, that's a military um, piece. But um, let's go ahead and take a look at what Deadline says about this Heels series here. Because it, I think it's pretty interesting because it sounds like Amel is playing more of the cocky, um, you know, the mean or the, the villain brother here. So uh, it's set in a close-knit Georgia community. It follows a family-owned wrestling promotion as two brothers and rivals, one of them played by Amel, war over their late father's legacy. In the ring, somebody must play the good guy and somebody must play their nemesis, the heel Amel, but in the real world, those characters can be hard to live up to or hard to leave behind. In the ring, Amel's Jack Spade, so that's what the character's name is going to be, is the charismatic villain or heel of the Duffy Wrestling Association. In the real world, he's its hardworking owner, a husband, a father trying to make ends meet while fighting to realize his impossible dreams. He has the mind of an artist and the body of a warrior and a Steve Jobsian need for perfection and for control. He says he'll do whatever it takes to build the DWA into an empire. Will he go so far as to risk his marriage or his relationship with his brother? Um, so I think that that's a pretty good byline right there about what the show is going to focus on. You know, you could see how Amel would be attracted to something like this. It deals with a father, a family man. Um, a brother, all of the things that he is currently. 
And honestly, the first thing I thought of was, you know, because Abel does tweet out right here, like after this news broke on Monday that, you know, hey, Cody Rhodes, you know, is one of his friends out there in uh, AEW, you know, would you, would you want to come make a TV show with me? And of course he responds back, yeah, 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 of course I will. I think Cody Rhodes is not going to be a starring role in this. I'm sure he'll just have like a cameo or he'll, you know, help out the stunts perhaps. Uh, maybe he'll help out some storylines, but I can't see him. I mean, he's not really an actor. He's, you know, he's a wrestler. Uh, so I can't really see him at playing a huge role. Um, but my first thought was, and I think that this would be brilliant casting, and I would love to see them do it. I don't know that they will. I don't know how his schedule is. Um, but I think it would be dumb for them not to approach Josh Segura um, as Stephen Amell's brother in this series. Uh, first of all, they already have tremendous chemistry from their time in Season 5 of Arrow when he was, when Josh Segura was, you know, played Prometheus, was the main villain of that season. Tremendous chemistry on and off the you know, the screen is, as I'm sure everybody's seen their social media presence together, the, the good friends off of the, you know, off the silver screen. And I just, I mean, Josh Segura is also a big wrestling fan. So I think it's something he would also be interested in. He's also a family man. Like the, this is perfect. It, it just, it, it just takes somebody to sign on the dotted line at this point. I think that they'll probably end up trying to get somebody pretty famous. Josh Segura is, you know, a third or fourth tier of famous right now uh, as an actor you know he was in overboard last summer but it's it he's not he's never been a huge name um he's a, such a fantastic actor though so i really really hope that they at least consider him you know to come on board maybe amel is, is asking them to consider him i just think that would be fantastic i'm already gonna watch this series i would assume it's gonna air fall of 2020 although i know it's being uh, fast track so we'll see how fast they can get this up the ground i think it's going to shoot early 2020 so i can't imagine this will be here before summer next year probably more like fall um you know kind of a the awards time frame not that this show would be you know awards centric but who knows who, who, who knows and i think it's going to expand to mel's brand i was always excited to see what else he did besides arrow and this this is it so now let's get on we talked 18 minutes about arrow and Stephen amell i can't even believe I talked that long um, but I can't imagine I'll talk any less for this upcoming story here because we have you know, the Spider-Man story how do we even start this well first I you know I do believe that ultimately Sony and Disney will come to some sort of agreement you know perhaps while I'm recording this right now they've either completely shut down that notion again or maybe they've actually agreed to something maybe they announced it at D23 which is uh, running a couple panels right now um, that'll bring out plenty of new stories for next week. So, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but my gut feeling is it's, it's too much of a lose lose on both sides to not come up with some sort of agreement here, some sort of deal. So my gut says that they will, but so basically the story goes is that, you know, after amazing Spider-Man two, excuse me, they, you know, with Andrew Garfield, Sony was rethinking what their plans were. They had Sinister Six. They were talking about an Aunt May movie. They wanted to do a, a Black Cat movie. They wanted to do a, a Silver Sable movie. They wanted to do a Venom movie. Now, of course, they've done a Venom movie, but I mean, this is back in 2014. Of course, things were not going well with Sony. Uh, Miss Spider-Man 2 was panned by critics. I actually like the movie quite a, quite a lot, so there's plenty of problems, but I do like that movie. And come spring of 2015, Marvel's getting ready to shoot Civil War, and they're like, hey, 
you know, any chance that we can, you know, put Spider-Man in this movie, you know, but let's, let's, let's set agreement. We got plenty of plans for him in the MCU if possible. Let's, let's get something, let's get something pen to paper here. They, you know, they hire Tom Holland to play Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Kevin Feige comes on board to produce a couple Spider-Man movies. Marvel gets to use Spider-Man in three uh, of their MCU films. Of course, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. All of my, some of my favorite films in the MCU. Tom Holland is fantastic uh, as Peter Parker. He's very good as Spider-Man as well. I still think Andrew Garfield's got him as Spider-Man. Still do, but no one could deny that he's probably the most universally beloved version of this Spider-Man. So, of course, the deal ends with Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, that just came out about a month and a half ago. Um, and really, his arc in the MCU does come to an end. So you think, okay, maybe it's time to move on. I, it's not like I was expecting them to completely shut off negotiations, but I, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to re-up a deal either with each other. Uh, so I found that interesting, that there was a lot of you know misreporting out there about, you know, the fact that this contract was up already. I mean, it, it's like... What, if this was such a big deal and they wanted to continue their relationship, this would have these would have been conversations they've been having for over a year. We would have heard more about that throughout the last year. So I almost kind of think that both sides were kind of just like, you know, we maybe we just move on. The MCU is like we told our Spider-Man arc. Um, there's definitely more to tell, but we did tell our Spider-Man arc. Um, and Sony was thinking, well, we just made the most money we've ever made in one movie. Why do we need you anymore? But then the reverse side of that is, well, Kevin Feige is probably the single reason why that movie didn't make uh, the most money Sony movies ever made. By far the most money a Spider-Man movie's made. So, anyway, Spider-Man is Sony's banner character. So, I mean, the notion that they may sell him off uh, is completely ridiculous. Again, I do believe that they'll come to sort of some sort of agreement at the end of the day. But that would just be lending him again for a couple more movies. There's no way Sony's selling the character. Now, if I was Sony and Marvel came to me and said, hey, I'll pay you $20 billion or $10 billion, $20 billion is a little ridiculous, but I'll pay you 8 to $10 billion for the one character of Spider-Man. I think that that's you know, ridiculous. It's double what they paid for Lucasfilm. It's double what they paid for Marvel. But they, Sony would have to consider that. I mean, that's a shit ton of money. Um, and I don't think Marvel, I don't think that's a smart move for Marvel, but if Marvel really cares a lot about keeping that character in their canon, then I totally understand it. Again, I think it's ridiculous. But it's it's such it's their banner freaking character. So they're not they're not going to sell him off. Um and again, like I said, I mean Kevin Feige might be the single reason why it did make that money. So, you know, Marvel Disney is thinking, well, we're we we're literally the reason why you're this successful right now we made you you know where were you without us you were amazing spider-man 2 you had 10 films in development none of them appealed to the fans really um so again i see both sides uh you know and far from home it's interesting because in and if this was some sort of corporate move from the beginning it's pretty freaking evil but far from home is is one of the most mcu centric mcu heavy movies in the entire universe so far i mean for being a solo film and not a team-up film it relies so heavily on the lore of the mcu that it's going to be so weird if the next spider-man movie doesn't take place in the mcu um you know 
and and it's it's certainly not the best Spidey film. I'll tell you that. I mean, I still think. I mean, my personal favorite Spider-Man film, I think, is the original Spider-Man. Um, that's just I mean, that's just me. I think that the nostalgia for me. I mean, that was the first superhero movie I ever saw in theaters. So I'm always gonna be a little bit partial to that movie. I do like Spider-Man Two a lot. There's even parts of Spider-Man 3 I like, and I can defend it. Amazing Spider-Man is pretty solid. Amazing Spider-Man 2, I really, really love parts of it as well. So again, I, I love parts of every single Spider-Man, but I don't love every movie as a whole. I don't think that there's been a great Spider-Man film yet, and I think that that probably includes Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse is very good. I don't know that it's great. Um, so there's something to be said about Sony needing Marvel there, or at least some sort of producerial help. Um, man, I mean, there's just so much to get to here. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, there's the other dynamic, right? like Marvel and Disney, you know, they already own all the merchandising for Spider-Man. Like every time you see Spider-Man toys in, in, in the store, that's Disney putting those, you know, that out. That's not, that's not Sony getting any of the profits or any of the, the rights the the toys or the comic books like all of that is under disney so it is a little interesting that like you know marvel is being this butthurt i mean they i mean i shouldn't say that i shouldn't say that because we don't we don't know all of the the angles to this um but, you know, the deal was originally 5% of first gross that Disney was getting, um, and they lent Feige over. I don't think Feige was getting any sort of you know, profit from, from producing the Sony movies. It was just more of him overseeing the story so that it fits in with the MCU. Um, you know, Sony re released that statement, which here, I'm going to go ahead and pull that up because that is worth mentioning. So Sony Pictures tweets, tweets this out. Late is 11:49 p.m. Central Time, so about 9:45 uh, in the West Coast, where everybody else is in Hollywood. Um, they released this statement. Much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We are disappointed, but respect Disney's decision to not have him continue as lead producer of our next live-action Spider-Man film. We hope this might change in the future, but understand that the many new responsibilities that Disney has given him, including all their newly added Marvel properties, do not allow time for him to work on IP they do not own. Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for this help and guidance and appreciate the path he has helped us put, on, put us on, which we will continue. Uh, that's, you know, I think that that's complete spin. Like, they, they are spinning the news to make it look like Disney was the one who decided to not include Spider-Man in their future. When the reality is, is that Sony wasn't willing to really negotiate. From what we understand is that Marvel came, Marvel Disney came with a 50-50 co-financing split, co-gross split, um, and Sony said no. And then there was another report about them them. Uh, offering the 30% split, which, of course, Sony also said no. Um, and then negotiations stopped from there. There wasn't any further discussions. So, you know, mm, I, I mean, I just I just hope cooler heads prevail. I really want them to just figure this out. Again, it's not like that any 
Sony's produced a great Spider-Man film. It's not even like the MCU's produced a great Spider-Man film. I like both Homecoming and Far From Home, but I just want want to see it all resolved. I think it's just a lose-lose for everybody, for the fans specifically. Um, But I think that there's there's room to negotiate here. There's room to agree. Like, you can... Marvel Disney, take 15%. I mean, what what do we... Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, Especially now that, I mean... I guess that's the other thing. Maybe Disney leaked this information because Disney knows that, or at least they thought they knew, that a lot of people were going to be on their side when this news comes out and blame it on Sony because of their track record with other Spider-Man films. Um, But of course, you know, I think I've seen on the internet uh, quite a mix of both. You know, half the people out there are blaming Sony for this. Half the people out there are blaming, you know, Marvel, Disney, Kevin Feige. Very interested to see if anybody asks these questions uh, at D23 this weekend, you know, what sort of people are even allowed to ask those questions. I bet you Disney probably sent, um, you know, all the press emails about please do not ask any of these questions because it'll you know, disrupt what we're all, the rest of the material we're going to announce this weekend, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then the other dynamic to this whole thing is, this crazy situation is, is that the rumor is Tom Holland only has an option to appear in Spider-Man 3. And I remember them saying that he has, or he did sign on to six movies. So that would be three Spider-Man movies and three MCU movies. He's already the three MCU movies. Um, it'd be three Spider-Man movies as well. So, that, uh, But I guess apparently his contract only has an option, so he could opt out if that rumor is true. I don't know that that rumor is true, but I, I definitely know that Tom Holland would want to stay in the MCU based on the social media posts that he's put out in the past, the interviews that I've seen him, I don't think he has any interest to come back if it's not in the MCU. So another reason why Sony would be dumb to not go back and try to negotiate this more with Marvel Disney. Um, you know, of course, it's out there that Sony potentially wants to develop two more Spider-Man films with Holland. I don't know if maybe one of those is a Venom Spider-Man crossover movie or something like that. You know, I don't know. Um... But like I was saying earlier, I do think that ultimately his, you know, his arc in the MCU is kind of finished. You know, he had the whole arc with Tony. Tony dies. Um, he has his arc with Happy now and Nick Fury, which I think there's definitely more story to be told there. Uh, so that would be disappointed if they don't continue that, especially now that Aunt May has a relationship with Happy. Uh, you know, I and it, it, it would be weird and and. And frustrating to not see him in in a new Avengers movie either. Because I'll tell you right now, I mean, I've seen, you know, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame all, of course, opening night. And the character who gets the most applause in all three of those movies when they enter is Spider-Man. I think the only one that that got a bigger applause it wasn't Iron Man, but it was, it was Captain America once... He appeared in Infinity War, you know, it took him 45 minutes to appear. Um, and then probably Thor's interest at the end of, of Infinity War probably got, um, you know, some more uh, plus two. But it, it, people people love Tom Holland. I mean, I don't think that you can, I, I, I don't, I think it's unavoidable. I think you have to, you have to come to some sort of agreement here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I know Sony's talking about how Marvel has plenty on their plate coming up with Eternals, X-Men, Fantastic Four. Just a lot, of, a wave of new characters coming to the MCU, which is very exciting. But also at the same time, you think it, 
it's just one character, Spider-Man, just one character. He could stand on its own as his original movies, but just just allow him to come back in the team-up movies. Like that to me, that's what I would want the most. Like I just want him to come back in those movies. Ultimately, Spider-Man 3, I'm not even that excited for it anyway. So, you know. Um also, you know, it, does this really mean he can't reference any of the characters? He, he's never going to be able to say the name Tony Stark again or Happy Hogan or Nick Fury. In the ending of, of Spider-Man Far From Home, when, when his identity is revealed to the world, like, how does that work with the rest of the, the story? I mean, bottom line is, I, you know, I, I think I'm kind of tired of talking about this story at this point, but bottom line is that this is an absolute lose-lose for everybody involved, and they should just come to some sort of agreement. It's easier for me to say sitting here, but uh, it's just... It's a lose-lose, and it also gives to show you that Kevin Feige is absolutely the greatest producer to ever walk the face of the earth because millions of dollars, billions of dollars, actually, are being fought over because of his, you know, involvement. So that just goes to show you. But it's also worth mentioning that, you know, on the big news week that we just had there, the title for the upcoming James Bond 25 was released, and it is No Time to Die. I think this is the fourth um, movie, James Bond movie, to have the word die in the title. You have Live and Let Die. Um, you have Die Another Day and Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, I'm down for it. I think it sounds cool. You know, um, I do like that one, the one word titles we've had with Spectre and Skyfall because um, I think it it just it flows well. But I, I dig No Time to Die. I cannot wait for this movie. I'm a huge James Bond fan. I can't wait to binge all of the. 24 movies prior again because i mean even the old ones that are extremely dated i can you know i find that there's there's something worth watching in a lot of them um so that's james bond 25 excited for that one i think it comes out in april of next year april may something like that and on that same day matrix 4 was announced with keanu reeves lana wachowski and carrie ann moss returning this is big news this is this is big big news because it continues the Keanu-sans. And yes, I just said Keanu-sans. Not McConaughey-sans. Not Matthew McConaughey-sans. This is the Keanu Reeves-sans. Keanu-sans. I can't stop saying that. Keanu-sans. It's fantastic. Uh, the John Wick trilogy, Always Be My Maybe, Toy Story 4, um, that video game he's got coming out. Oh, God, what was that? He had another movie coming out this year that was that looked pretty good. Uh, and then you have this, Matrix 4. Why not? Why not? I mean, this has been 20 years. Nobody cares about the second and third one. How about you do a Halloween thing and Halloween and Terminator thing where you just kind of forget about the, the latter two movies and just make it a sequel to the first movie? I'd be totally down for that because I believe at the end of the third movie, both Neo and um, Carrie Ann Moss's character die, don't they? Don't they? I think they do. What happened to Morpheus? I don't even remember. Um so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with his character, too. Do they bring back Lawrence Fishburne? Do they bring back um, Hugo Weaving? Would that feel, re you know, redundant? Uh, do they need something fresh, something new? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll be first in line. I love the original one. I think the, the latter two are watchable, but they're just so confusing and convoluted that you don't, it doesn't really matter because it's just, it becomes an unre unreliable narrator type of story at that point. Uh, trailer for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, season three was released. It's lovely. Didn't didn't uh, didn't give away too much. I cannot wait 
for that series to come back. I think it is, now that Game of Thrones is off the air, I think that that is probably my favorite show on television. Um, of course, I did just finish watching binge-watching Barry, which is, I cannot believe it took me this long to watch that show, but it is so dang good. Um, but yeah, no, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I cannot wait for it. I love that they, they actually did follow through and, and get Sterling K. Brown to guest star. Uh, just a lot, a lot of interesting story that they're going to play out in this movie too. So interested to see how that works. Uh, I did see Blinded by the Light this week. One of the best movies I've seen all year. And as I tweeted, it's one of the best feel-good films I've seen in years. Um, it is the almost famous for this generation. It is inspiring. Uh, it is dance worthy like you just like i get goosebumps during the movie like there's a scene in which born to run pretty much plays the like they let the clip and they let the song play for a while it is absolutely magnificent it i get goosebumps i started tearing up towards the end of the movie uh blinded by the light go see it because gosh darn nobody else is joker 2 may happen apparently according to todd phillips um i don't know that we need that i didn't even know that we needed this movie i think it was two years ago yesterday that they announced that this movie could happen i remember tweeting how stupid it was the idea but then they announced the team oh it's martin scorsese involved he might get to nero to be in it oh and then joaquin phoenix is courted to play the joker and then they get todd phillips um and that's gonna be rated r and it's like okay this could be pretty cool it's gonna be set in the 80s uh, it's gonna be like king of comedy um so i was down for the movie after a while i think the trailers have looked good but I, I don't know that we need a sequel, but I guess, you know, we'll see we'll see how the story plans out. Maybe, maybe you know, it ends in a way where we, we need a sequel. Maybe we need a trilogy. I don't know. Uh, maybe we need Joaquin Phoenix to somehow come back as the Joker against uh, Robert Pattinson's, and yes, I said Pattinson, his, uh, his Batman. I don't know. Um, so that's Joker 2. Christian Cerritos, uh, in other words, Rosita on uh, The Walking Dead, is in talks to play Selena. Uh, the famous singer, and apparently she may be killed off in The Walking Dead due to scheduling conflicts, which is weird to me because they're about halfway done with filming season 10 right now. And, you know, it's not that she's a major character, um, but that would be a weird thing to do. They haven't done that in a while. I know that that, uh, they killed off, um, what was her name? Oh, gosh, Sasha. Yeah, Sasha, the character of Sasha back in Season 7 because she was starting on Star Trek Discovery the following fall. But I think that that's a different situation. I mean, they're in the middle of filming this season. She had a commitment. So if this is something she's trying to sign on to right now, you you can't really go against your contract if they have you contracted for the rest of the season. And this just follows in the long line of, of characters at this point that have been been le- leaving the show. I mean, you had Maggie, Lauren Cohan, who went on to star in Whiskey Cavalier, which was canceled. So she may come back this season, hopefully. Maybe, fingers crossed. Uh, of course, Rick Grimes, Andrew Lincoln leaves the show, and then they announce movies. And then this year, Denai Guerrera uh, plays Michelle and is also leaving. It's going to be her final season. And, of course, this is happening all during which may be the best season of Walking Dead ever, which is season nine. Uh, cannot wait to see what they do with the Whispers this season. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I may do a, I may do a review of that every week. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about the timing. Maybe I'll just discuss it on the annual or the, the weekly podcast. Um, I, don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that news. 
but anyway, that's pretty much it. I don't know why I ended it on that one instead of a bigger news piece. Um, but but that's that's really it. That's the big. It's one of the biggest news weeks we've ever had, um, and that's not even including anything that's going to be released, you know, in terms of news or trailers today, tomorrow, and Sunday at D twenty three. I know they have a big Disney Plus panel that's going on right now. I'm sure something has just broke, um, and then they have a Walt Disney Studios panel tomorrow morning. Something Sunday that seemed big. I mean, it's another TV thing, I think. Uh, but we're probably getting a trailer to The Mandalorian. We're probably getting a trailer to The Lady and the Tramp. Probably getting a trailer to the Anna Kendrick Christmas movie. Um, plenty of other things are going to be announced. I think they were going to announce a secret movie project on Saturday. So that that's that's all fascinating. I, I can't wait to see what they do. Um, but but that's the show this week. Oof, I'm going to get a drink of water. That was, uh, that was a lot of talks to discuss. That's it. That's the show. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.